It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for EP 192. Getting close to 200. Coming up on four years here, uh, which is crazy to think about. But uh, 192, big program, no exceptions. As uh, I got to get this in here. Tino Farah has uh, taken the week off here. He's actually under the knife today. Nothing serious. Little day surgery, but uh, we'll wish Tino the best of luck in his recovery. He should be back next week. Brad Challoner pretty much lives on BC Ferries now, so I don't know if he's going, coming, what's going on over there. With all that being said, we got ourselves a co-host that you will be familiar with in the owner, president, and general manager of the Toronto Rock in Jamie Dowick. Let's get him in here. JD, welcome back to Lax Class, man. Thanks for stepping up and stepping in. How are things? Things are good, Bob. Thanks for... Uh... Jumbo, have thanks for having me, man. Happy okay. to be here. Yeah, congratulations, by the way. Executive of the year in the National Cross League. I know that's not the the prize you were looking for, but uh, well-deserved nonetheless. Congratulations on that. I appreciate that, man. Um, you're right. It wasn't Selfer got the one that we all wanted. Um, but, yeah, it's an honor to be uh, acknowledged by your peers and, uh, you know, proud of a team 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 award as far as i'm concerned no doubt uh, everyone in my office so uh i appreciate them absolutely uh let's tell the peoples what's coming up here on the program quarter no i'm all, i'm off here jamie period number three as we're in summer we're going to periods in in summertime period three evan is coming back we got lax class report cards Ooh, I got a doozy for you this week, Jamie. And uh, Lax Class Locks. Got to look into that. Uh, PLL getting back underway. World Games are up for grabs as well. We'll try and piece something together and put some jumbo bucks in, in your pocket. Quarter number two. Fuck, I did it again. Period number two. I probably shouldn't swear either. Tawani Joseph, uh, head coach of the Nanaimo Timmerman. Big-time influencer out there on the Capilano Res, Squamish Nation. He is behind the bid for the Olympics to come back to Vancouver, an Indigenous-led bid. Uh, so he's in that group. We're going to talk to him about the team in, about the Olympics, and maybe some North American Indigenous games as well. As uh been convinced by my better half to, to hop on a board, an advisory board for the upcoming Neg games that are in Halifax next summer, and uh, I'm thinking about getting involved with that. So we'll talk to Tawani about it all as his team end pulled out a big 10-9 overtime victory last night over the Berards, and uh, lots to talk about with T. Here in period number one, we got our Stampede Stallions, of course, a uh, little WLA recap, and uh, the big focus is coming up as well. Before we get into all that, and I, I want to find out what you've been up to lately, Jamie, i got to get a couple of shout-outs in here before I forget, because I'm brutal uh, for, for forgetting things. 
I got uh, somebody got in contact with me here. Iris got in contact with me, who is the social media coordinator for Team Hong Kong's women's field lacrosse team, who just finished up the world championships here, Jamie. Jumped up two spots in the standings to 16th, two places higher than they were in 2017. And they've moved themselves into the championship bracket. These girls have dedicated themselves to getting better at lacrosse, not only as individuals, but as a team as well. Four years in the making here. And, of course, a guy that you've probably gotten to know a little bit uh, with your time in the National Lacrosse League, also a two-team owner in Joe Tsai, who backs Hong Kong lacrosse here. And, man, what an impact this guy has had on that program and in our sport in general. So I wanted to give a shout-out to the women's Hong Kong field lacrosse team, who I know are, are tuned in here to the podcast. Uh, got a bunch of follows uh, today as well. So thanks to Iris for sending me that information. And and my buddy Alex over there in Nanaimo, which works well here with Tawani, asked the whole team listens. I got to get this in. Midget A2 Timberman going 7-0, and running the table, winning provincials. Tanner Harrison, tournament MVP. So a shout-out goes out to the Midget A2 Timberman for a clean sweep in the Provincials there going 7-0. and How about it? Not bad at all. Not bad at all. Absolutely. So uh, what else is going on, man? What have you been doing since uh, since the season ended? It's, you know, summer. You getting out there on the golf course? What's been going on? Yeah, I've been uh, playing a fair amount of golf. Um, How's the game? You know. Well, the game's been pretty. Actually, I just gave myself a timeout for a week because <laughs> I was on a bad kid little run for a couple of weeks. And I just wasn't happy with myself, so took a, only a week off. But um, you know, it seemed to work. Come back, kind of firing a bit this week. So yeah, I've loved a lot of golf. Watching uh, you know my younger two play junior A a fair bit, and then. Uh, you know, obviously uh, involved with what we refer to as the Pebbles, uh, the senior B-Rock team there, um, going full board with that right now. So involved in that. So How, you know, how are they looking? Are, are they, I mean, I know, I don't, can we break the news about President's Cup? Or are we allowed to do that yet? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what, yeah, I don't know Pro- what the news is there. Okay, well, uh, I'll keep it, I'll keep it under hat then. Uh, how is the, yeah. the Pebbles doing this season? Are you guys <laughs> going to make it to Alberta for the Prezi or what? Well, we're going to give it our best. Um, you know, we're kind of been piecing a team together here and, and we still got some guys missing a game here, but by the time the playoffs roll around, we're hoping to have everyone kind of on board and, you know, we think we got a team that can make a run through Ontario and get there, but it's not going to be easy. That Six Nation team's pretty good, and they've been playing together for a long time. And, you know, it looks like we'll have to go through Owen Sound as well. So, um, you know, it's our plan to be out in Edmonton. All right. Well, I, uh, I expect you to be there. The it's going to be a heck of a tournament this uh, year. Edmonton wants us there. Trust me. Yeah. They do. Uh, they do. Uh, we'll, you know, we got Ladner out here, which is essentially an NLL team. The Miners are going to be stacked. Uh, you got the, the Quebec League down there. There's going to be some good teams at the President's Cup this summer. August 28th, that gets going. And I'm going there. So I hope you make it too man because uh it's one of the i think you tell me it, i think the president's cup may be the hardest one to win like you got to go through well, yeah. what, seven mean, eight games format, and six days yeah pretty, it's a yeah, grind. The format's pretty cool 
Um, Teams from everywhere. Yeah, and and honestly, to me, I think it's a little more, you know, I mean, I know some teams have loaded up a little bit here and and do load up, but I think a little more of a winnable tournament um, and, and a fun tournament. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, obviously, I haven't been involved in it, haven't been familiar with it, but I'm picking up some things, and and I think it'd be a pretty cool thing to win win a President's Cup. So, um, you know, hopefully we can get that done here over the next year or two. What about uh, MSL? I don't think we've talked really since you you pulled the the senior rock out of the MSL loop, and you know all that sort of stuff. Have you have you missed yeah, that? To be I honest mean- with you, I I haven't really been following it too much. You know, no games here at the track anymore, and um, everything's kind of out the other way in three of the four teams. So um, I haven't really watched much of it. I mean, I think it's going as as most would expect. Peterborough and Six Nations are the two teams to beat, and Brooklyn and Coburg are, uh, you know, there to play them right now. So that that's what's happening. It's going to be one of those two teams at the end of the day, and... Uh, yeah, I've been paying a lot more attention to Senior B than I have been uh, <laughs> to Major Series these days. Yeah, fair you know? enough. Fair enough, man. Well, I know something else you were paying attention to was the NOL expansion draft by the Vesert. <laughs> Vesert. <laughs> what is going on? Vegas Desert Dogs, uh, which is this week's big focus. Big focus. Big focus. Focus. Another than a big focus. Focus. Big 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 focus. Uh, time here, Jamie. Vegas expansion draft. Uh, you lost your boy Riley Hutchcraft with the third selection. Still sitting pretty good there in in goal, I would say, with uh, the guys he got back, but. Um, I don't know, general takeaways from the expansion draft. Uh, they're so hard to predict from a guy outside looking in. I'm sure you have a better handle on who's doing what in the backdoor deals and all that sort of stuff. But uh, what what'd you think of Willie and, and his picks here for the inauguration of the Desert Dog? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest with you, I haven't really, I haven't really break it all down this year, kind of what teams had what guys available and how well Willie did per se. Um, you know, obviously there were a bunch of, uh, call them backdoor deals done there, um, with certain teams and, uh, you know, we lost a guy that, you know, really bittersweet guy to lose. I mean, love, love Riley Hutchcraft been the ultimate teammate his entire time here in Toronto and, and he's going to be missed, but at the same time, you know, I, I think he's earned an opportunity to go in and fight for, for playing time in this league. and. That opportunity is not here right now. And, uh, I, you know, I think for as bittersweet it is, is to see him go, I think it's it's a great opportunity for him. And we're big Riley Hutchcraft fans here, you know, other than potentially a couple of games we're going to play against them. But, uh, you know, he, he's a beauty. I think he can play in this league. Not surprised Vegas took him. I, I thought they were going to keep him. Um, but, you know, they did what they did for, for their reasons. And, uh, you know, I, I believe he'll get an opportunity, um, in Rochester to, to play some minutes and, 
you know, that I guess as, as far as how that's going to unfold, that'd be a question for Dan and, and Mike and, and that crew. But uh, we love them. We'll miss them. We wish them nothing but the best. And, you know, that's the tough part about expansion. Those are those ones, unlike free agency, when a guy kind of chooses to leave and stuff like that, that's a little different. Um, you know, these ones are where guys get taken um, and it's out of your control. I mean, outside of your protect list. And uh, I'm just happy he, you know, landed in what I believe is a good spot for him going forward. So Absolutely. we love Hutch So what does that and, mean? Uh, uh, Hol- Holichuk moves up to number two, right? Yeah, I mean, to, to be honest with you right now, I don't think I have a goalie on my roster. Because uh, Rosie's <laughs> a unrestricted free agent. <laughs> and uh, Holichuk finished the season on our practice roster. Okay. But, uh, yes, I... That that's what's going to happen here. Um, you know, we're looking at you know a tandem of Rosie and Holichuk for next year, and uh, you know we feel just as comfortable as we did with Rosie and Hutchie, uh, with Rosie and Troy taking care of the nuts for us. So there you go. So let's run this down here quickly. Jackson Nishimura selected first overall from the Firewolves. Then Connor Fields from Buffalo. We'll get to that in a second as he was involved in that Hutchcraft deal to Rochester. Johnny Wagner. Landon Kells, goaltender from the Calgary Roughnecks, uh, who's, you know, got a real bright future ahead of him as well. Brett McIntyre from the Mammoth. Connor Kirst from Georgia. James Barclay. Ty Thompson, Jack Hanna, Jackson Subak, Frankie Shiliano, also involved in some deals, as was Jeff Cornwall, and the final selection, Tyson Rowe from Vancouver. So, <clears throat> excuse me, that deal you were talking about involving Riley Hutchcraft. The Desert Dogs traded Connor Fields, Hutchcraft, and their first pick, the first overall pick in 2022, so that's coming right up, to Rochester in exchange for Bertrand, their first round selection, which is number two overall, so essentially they just swapped the first and second overall picks. A fourth round selection, a sixth round selection, and their first round selection in 2023. I don't know if you want to get in the business of saying who won and who lost deals here, Jamie, but that is a pretty blockbuster monster trade there on the expansion draft day. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and to comment on who won the deal or who didn't win the deal. I mean, I think only time will tell in a deal like that, you know, obviously if you want to know you said a lot of things there. Um, the first and the second you, overall pick. If you want to break, yeah, yeah. Like break the, the way I look at it is essentially, and not to take away from any of the other components of the deal, but essentially Connor Fields and Riley Hutchcraft got traded for Rochester's first overall pick next year. So, you know, that's why I say time will tell. If Rochester had the first overall pick this year, minus expansion teams, so I'm sure when they make that trade, they don't believe that's where they're going to finish next year. You know, if it's if they did finish with the worst record in the league and that's the first overall pick, you're going to look at that trade very differently than if they're fighting for the playoffs or make the playoffs and make an early exit and it's pick seven or eight next year. Time will tell. I mean, Rochester clearly, uh, like myself, I don't think they made a shot that they were looking for a lefty. And, um, you know, I think Connor had to kind of play in the East with with his job and his situation is my understanding. And I, I uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a, 
trade uh, a convenience for a little bit too, right? Well, there's that. I mean, he's a local guy. That's great. All that stuff. Hey, it's uh, they, they they needed that. You know, they're bet. I I would assume that they're betting on. You know, having a good year this year and that not being one of the top picks. And, yeah, you got it. And then people people can evaluate that for themselves. I'm not going to do it. You know, it's not my job to come on here and evaluate other guys' <laughs> trades either way. Fair you know, enough. Like, uh, All right, well, let's, let's move along but, here then. Uh, Brett McIntyre traded back to the Colorado Mammoth in exchange for Sam Firth and Eric Turner, so a little two-for-one deal there. The Seals reacquire Frank Ciliano in exchange for Mark Lassini, the dog, Brandon Clellan, and a second-round selection and a third-round selection next year. And finally, they trade Jeff Cornwall to the Calgary Roughnecks in exchange for Marshall King and the first-round selection of the Roughnecks, 18th overall, in the entry draft. So Willie was a busy man on expansion draft day, and the foundation is now there. For Vegas and, and, and the Desert Dogs. And I don't know, first glance, man, they look pretty competitive right out of the gate here. Like, I think they're going to be a handful. Yeah, I mean, lots lot to happen here. we still got a draft coming up. Um, we still have free agency coming up. You know, Willie got some good young pieces that he's familiar with. And uh, I'm sure he's got his plan. And I'm sure he followed his plan. And uh Time will tell how that works out. Well, I'm assuming the coaching staff announcement will be coming fairly soon. I got a pretty good idea on who the D coach is going to be. I got a pretty good idea on who the O coach is going to be as well. But I'm not. I learned my lesson on that, Jamie. I'm not spoiling anybody's party or announcements anymore. So we'll just wait for Vegas. Yeah, I know nothing, to be honest with you. I consider myself to be good buddies with Willie. And, uh, you know, not something I would ask him. Not something he's told me. No. So it's a it's a pretty uh, Tight pretty lip. well kept secret. Pretty pretty well kept secret as far as I'm sure I'm, I'm concerned. Usually that stuff gets around. I have not been told by anyone. I I don't know who I'll tell you off air. I might be wrong, but I got pretty. I think I got pretty. But they did a really good job of of keeping the name secret right up until the day they announced it as well. So. As yep. they say, loose lips sink ships, and they're they're pretty tight there in Vegas. All right, there's the big focus, Jamie. It's time to get to pull on the Wranglers and you know the boots and the hat and cinch up the belt buckle and all that sort of stuff, man. Because we're heading for the Stampede Stables. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie has refused to do horse noises here, and uh, I have. That no- was pretty good, though. You're good. You're getting good at that. <laughs> I've been practicing a lot, man. Um, I can't force you to do it, so. But if you, I know Danny would really give me one little, just. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> Nay, I'm not doing it. <laughs> All right, we have reached the Stampede Dock in Western Wear Stables here, and of course, uh, summer is upon us. You need to be protected from the sun. How do you do that? You wear a hat, and any kind of hat you can think of is available to you at Stampede Dock in Western Wear. Cowboy hats, baseball hats, toques, beanies, 
palm hats, straw hat. They got all sorts of hats at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. You can head out there to Cloverdale. They've been there since 1966. Or you can shop online where it's still shopping local at stampede.ca. Hats, Stampede Tack. Uh, Jamie, I decided since you're presiding, residing in October... I don't know what the hell is going on with me today. In Ontario, I almost said October instead of Ontario. Uh, major series lacrosse. We haven't focused a whole lot of it on MSL. Just, it's been tough. I'm not going to lie to you to kind of keep tabs on all this from the West Coast this year for whatever reason. But give me uh, give me a stallion of the week back there in, in Ontario. Give me Senior B if you want to, because you know what? We're, well, we're not prejudiced here. Yeah. You can go wherever you want with this. Give me a stallion of the week. Uh, okay, well, you know what? I, I'm unresearched here as well. Have, like well, join I said, the club. I haven't been wa- join the watching club. it a, a lot. I'll give you two names, though, in major series that I've kind of, when I've been scanning box scores and looking at scores, uh, two names that are sticking out for me, One, you know, on both ends of the floor, I guess. One would be uh, Ryan Lanchbury. Mm. who uh, is actually Oakfield property, but he's playing in Brooklyn this year uh, on a one-year release. Georgia property as well. Yeah, Georgia drafted him second overall last year. Right. Um, So very high pick in the NOL last year and a great player. Uh, And the other guy who stood out for me on the box scores and whatever is Dougie Jameson. Mm, Dougie. you know, yeah, just just consistent, right? Just especially in the summer, you know, five goal games here, there, everywhere. It's a recipe for success, and he's a big part of that. Fair enough. And uh, this this house, a big Dougie Jameson house as well. Douglas J. Jameson. Been on the program, big fan of Dougie. Um, so, Lancher and Dougie, welcome to the stable. Uh, you're going in, and... This guy is also going in. You might have heard of him before, uh, Jamie. He plays for the Langley Thunder here in the summertime. Where's number 44 in one Dane Dobie? See what this guy did over the last couple games here for Langley? Up against Didn't the really. Oh, man. Up against the Berards on Wednesday night. It was 5-4 after the second period. Langley in the lead. They come out and pump 14 in the third period and win the game 19 to 6. Dobie with 12 points in that game. Then follows that up on Saturday with a first star performance. Five goals, two assists for another seven, t- seven points. Add it up. That's a lot of points. 19 points in two games. I had no other choice. Not that I wouldn't want to give it to this guy, but Dane Doby is this week's Stampede Stallion of the Week. How about it from Dobes? 19 points in two games. When is this guy going to slow down? I don't know, but when that guy gets hot, as much as anyone, when he's hot, look out, man. He just he just goes. And, uh, you know, I'm not, not shocked to hear that, really, to be honest with you. He just, he just does stuff like that. He's... He's still pretty, uh, pretty talented player. Yeah, for me, he just keeps climbing the ladder into the conversation of the greatest lefties of all time. Like I'm, 
He's in the convo now with Doyle and Junior and Shooter and Gary. Like, Jake, this guy has moved himself into that echelon as far as I'm concerned with the longevity and the production. I know in the summertime he does not have the man cup rings to, to go along with it, but, man, the points and the production and the consistency from Doby. And I don't know how many more years he's got, but he's going to keep moving up that list. So, yeah, well, he plays in the WLA his entire major career, so you don't win man cups <laughs> doing that. So you can't hold that against them. Uh, this could be the year, Jamie. This could be the year. Church, Dixon, Doby, Robinson. Well, well, hold on, hold on. They're not. Even, I mean, my my team, my team. You're not even got the right team. I don't think. Who are you thinking? You're thinking Nanaimo? Well, it's, it's it's definitely an island team. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of a Nanaimo guy. Okay. i got a couple of my boys playing there, okay. and uh, I'm on the wagon. Well, well, this works perfectly because we'll ask our next guest about it all. He is the head coach of the Nanaimo Timberman. His name is Tawani Joseph, and he'll join us for period two next year on EP192 of Lax Class. We're back after this. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. This is Troy Cordingly, head coach of Vancouver Warriors. You're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. As we're into the second period of action, you just heard from Associated Labels and Packaging. Of course, you know them by now, but maybe you're new. They focus on people, ethics, quality, and of course, family-owned. Over 40 years of experience down there in Coquitlam. Best in the business. Need a label, need a package. Associated Labels and Packaging. Associated LP. That stands for Labels and Packages. Dot com is where you go. Ask for my man Tosh, and he'll set you up with whatever you need. Uh, this interview brought to you by Rycor Construction. They make it stand out. Rycor Construction, check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Interior, exterior, residential renovations, decks, fencing, kitchens, bathrooms. Rycor Construction, they make it stand out. This guy has been making his Nanaimo Timberman stand out this season, coming off a big-time overtime victory last night in Nanaimo over the Burrards, 10-9. As we'll welcome my friend to the podcast, Tawani Joseph on Lax Class. Tawani, thanks for doing this, man. How are things? Doing well. Hoichika, thanks for having me on today. Hoichika yourself, man. Uh, well... Let's start there. 10-9 OT. Burrards gave you everything you could handle last night, but Dale Sindate McComer comes up with the big overtime game winner. It, it was big for us. You know, um, the Burrards were ready to go. You know, we tried to match them in terms of their intensity, but every step of the way, they're, they're well organized. You know, the, the game was, you know, kind of back and forth throughout the whole three periods. And then for McCumber to come up at the end for us was big. And I think that's important when we talk about lacrosse. You never know where things are going to go or what's going to happen. But uh, it was nice for the team and also the community over in Nanaimo. And I think that was the best part about it is it's one more step in our journey. Yeah, you know what? I, I ran into 
you after the Laker game is you guys went 2-0 and this week and have put yourself in a real good spot, surplanted there in third, just a game back of of second and first for that matter, and, and still some games to come here. And, you know, I said to you, I said, boys, you're looking good. And, and your comment back to me was, they're getting there. They're getting there. So you're not quite satisfied with where they're at right now, but you're heading in the right direction is what you're telling me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when you start off a journey, you know, in the preseason, you kind of, you know, you come together, but at the same time, you want to be able to reach your full potential. And I think, you know, we've taken steps to get there. And I think that as we've moved along throughout the year, we've taken one more step as we start to move forward to really not only coming together as a family, which is also important because we have players coming from different places, but also at the same time, being able to be comfortable with one another and, and play that fast two-way lacrosse that we want to do. So I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. And I think that's an important part of the season but getting ready for you know the long push for us that's really important so you know as we come together right now I think I'm looking forward to every team is good in the WLA so we have to always be prepared and you mentioned the players from different places and Chris Bowman has really kind of backed you financially here I would say and investing in some of these players to come out and play for the Timbermen and I think of Nick Finley and Devlin Shanahan and McComer and the list kind of goes on uh, Wiedemann another guy he's really kind of given you the tools to to be successful here and all the while maintaining local talent and, and homegrown talent and and kind of bringing all that together yeah, you know, uh, working with Chris when, when I signed on with the team, the one thing that was important is he works day and night, you know, for for the Timbermen and in all, at all levels. And I think when you talk about Nanaimo, it's a real jewel. You know, my, my wife is from Nanaimo First Nations, so I'm pretty familiar with the area over there. But once you come out and you experience, you know, the West Coast and, you know, all that it has to offer, I think the players really buy into that and also they're excited about what's there and being able to explore the island as well. So I think that's been a big part of uh, Chris's work. And for me, he's really made it um, uh, easy for me to step into a role where it's, you know, the table's been set, but also these players are really committed to, you know, wanting to, to have the Timberman start to elevate and continue that elevation process that they've been on. And Jamie, I'm sure you're going to want to ask Tawani about your rock boys and, and Adam J and Zach Mans, who are now starring for the Timbermen here. You want to check up on these guys? Well, yeah, I mean, um, you know, by default, I'm kind of, uh, you know, at, listen, Adam J's always been a real proud Timberman from the first day I met him probably five years ago. So we always kind of give him the gears about that, but. I'm on board, man. I told him he just left, uh, you know, I think played his first game uh, last night. I was with him Saturday night at a wedding and uh, told him, bring me a hat back. I'm a Timberman guy. Like, let's go. They're, they're, we're backing him. And I see Zach's been playing pretty well. I'm not surprised. He had a real good uh, kind of second year for us. Uh, you know, seems you guys are, are playing well out there. Like you said, uh, seem to be finding your spot and hopefully the role continues well absolutely you know with zach i mean uh with both zach and adam you know the confidence that you know that they have on the floor is really important and I, you know being with the rock and moving through the season there that translates to what we're doing here on the coast and so you know adam just got in he got into his first game but uh, already it's the first time i met him but we connected right away he's very committed to what we're doing he's been watching carefully what we would do throughout the year and zach has really stepped up 
up in a leadership role, you know, in terms of on the offense, but also the commitment to a team approach and a team concept to what we're doing. So both of them have been just a joy to actually uh, coach, but also work with. Here with Tawani. Yeah, Jim. Not, Sorry, Jamie, go I, ahead. I was, no, I was just going to say, I'm not surprised to hear that. They're both, uh, they're both great kids. I mean, it's the same, you know, kind of culture that we breed around here and they're, and they're great kids and, you know, they're both Island boys and, uh, you know, I, and yeah, we're all following along and, and pulling, you know, it's nice when, uh, when another team kind of gets in the mix and causes a little havoc and it's not just the usual suspects. So, yeah, um, I mean, honestly, know, Jamie, it's not, you know, long gone are the days of an easy two points against Nanaimo, which, you know, was almost a given, I want to say five, six years ago where you could just count. Yeah, we're winning that one. That's not the case anymore in Nanaimo. And Tawani, I, I'm not sure which game it was, but I, I made the comment that you, when I look over at you at, at the bench as a head coach, that your team will always kind of take on the personality of the bench boss. And I look at some teams and I see some coaches that, you know, you can tell where the gray hairs came from. It's, you know, it's about the officials and what they're doing wrong and a little helter skelter. You are a very calm, mild man. Like, I don't know if I've seen you get upset at a bad call or, you know, tear a strip off a player for doing something stupid. How do you maintain this Zen-like attitude on the bench where you remain so calm that that kind of rubs off on your team and it's almost like when something bad happens you guys are able to file that away almost immediately and move forward you know that's the big part you know for me lacrosse has given me so many tools over the years and i've had a chance to work you know on uh, international product uh, projects you know from the olympics to others but what i've learned you know throughout the process if, if you prepare right and the players understand and your team understands where you're going and with that vision and the objectives. And then also understand, you know, within a framework, when you work within that framework, things are going to happen throughout the game. It's a game of adjustments and things aren't always perfect. And that's the beauty of the game. But I think the main thing is being able to, you know, work with the players and, and making sure that we stick to where our processes. And I think that's the important part. And that's the checks and balances. So when we're on the floor together and I'm on the bench, it's actually a, a real communication that's happening throughout the game. And I think that's been a big part of it. But the players have certainly bought into that. And I think that the they've actually stepped up and they, they offer suggestions and when things don't go right, what I said is that in our culture, we use them as teachings. So then we can move forward in a good way and we just correct the things that happen. So I think that's been a big part of this process. And and how about John and, and Nick over there that, that flank you on your left and right? A uh, little shout out for your assistant coaches who have seemingly done a fine job as well. Well, you know, coming over, I mean, they've been a part of the team for so long. You know, I really rely on them for all of the kind of where we've come from because it's a big part of past, present, and future is part of a theme of my life. And so they've been a big part of that, but also the positiveness. You know, I'm very big on positive. You know, uh, I don't use whistles when I coach and practice and those kinds of things because I want the players to be able to communicate and hear the things that I'm saying. So when things get tough, you actually get me, you actually see me get more quiet about things, but also want to communicate so the messages are getting through. So with John and, and, and Brian, they've been really positive about things and they offer suggestions as we start to go through. And that's really the team approach. Awesome, man. Uh, here with Tawani Joseph. And over the weekend, uh, Danny and myself went out to the North Shore out there on the Salade Tooth uh, lands and checked out the Canoe Festival, man. I'd never done this before. And Danny suggested we go do this. And I'm really glad we did. Went right down to the water, posted up. And watched, uh, you know, the elders, the youth, uh, mixed teams, men, women, 
I'm sure you've been to this a number of times, Twani, but uh, the Canute Festival, that was a big deal down there. I didn't realize this was even going on, but there were hundreds and hundreds of people there. Oh, it's incredible. And I'm glad you went down to that. You had a chance to experience it because, you know, canoe war canoe racing for us has been such a big part of our culture for so long. And I have to admit, you know, when I was in, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old, I, I wanted to be a canoe racer. And so I'd go out and train, but I have to tell you this, it was the hardest training that I've ever done in my life. And for really? me, oh, unbelievable, not just the running, the interval running and getting out there, but actually when you're pulling canoe for that length of time in, in a war canoe, um, I tell you, it was most, uh, one of the most challenging things and training that I played rugby, I played lacrosse and other sports, but canoe racing, I tell you, I have so much respect for, for those that do that because um, they can get out there and canoe pull for hours on end. No well, problem at all. And tell me about these boats. Cause Danny was telling me like they're over a hundred years old. They're all handcrafted. These things are what, like 40, 50 feet long. Tell me about the boats and how they came to be. And like your ancestors and ancestors before that have been using these things for hundreds of years. Well, it's a big part of our teachings, you know, when, when our canoe makers make our canoes, you know, um, you know, they, they pull them together. It takes time to do, and it, there's a real process amongst that, but also there's a real spiritual connection to that because really what you're doing is you're pulling in the ancestors as you do that, because there's been so many before, and then you have these young people that come up and pull canoe and it's part of the teachings and the elders teach that. So when you, when you come together at the war canoe races, I think it's an unbelievable experience. That's something that we've been doing for generation after generation. So for me, it's it's been a big part of it. I used to go to the canoe races all over the lower mainland, Vancouver Island, when I was a boy. So, awesome. and also the experience of actually being there and seeing the different cultures and different nations and different people represented is, is pretty incredible. It, it surely was. Um, and one of the things that was there, besides Wally's Burgers, of course, was a tent that was set up for some support, to get some support, a petition for the Indigenous-led bid for the Olympic Games, which you are a huge part of Tawani and, and really kind of spearheading here. So, you know, whether you're with or against Olympics, that's one thing or another, but tell, I guess, tell the people what they can do to help support your cause to bring the Olympics back to Vancouver, which will use all the same facilities, except for the exception of Cyprus. We're going to some peaks for that, but what can people do to help support your cause in this bid led by the indigenous to bring the Olympics back? Yeah, you know, the 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 Musqueam, Squamish, uh, Lillooet, and um and Tsleil-Waututh nations, you know, chose to move forward in December to explore the concept of bringing the games back in 2030. They were we were the forest first nations for the 2010 games, but at this time the Canadian Olympic Committee, who I work with as well as the four nations, uh, have really started to move forward in an indigenous-led process. Is really it's about all people of all cultures. When we talk about reconciliation, these games are about I identifying the ideas and concepts and challenges that may be ahead of us. So one thing that people can do right now and we're in the engagement process is to uh, go to gamesengagement.com and have your voice be heard. We always want to hear from our youth and our elders and our, our people, but any people. So if you have anything to say and you want to bring things forward, that's really this process that we're in right now is called gamesengagement.com. But uh, let's let's have your voices be heard and we want to hear from you. And what's kind of the next steps for you to, to kind of continue this process? 
Yeah, what we're doing is, is we have to kind of continue with the numbers process. So we just released some of the numbers uh, on Friday. Uh, right now, we'll be going to the councils uh, soon, as well as actually reaching out and identifying some more of the numbers that will be, you know, around not just security, but around some of the um, essential services as well. And then into the fall, um, we'll be looking at you know, getting further support for, for this. And then, you know, looking at probably the spring when we'll hear from the International Olympic Committee. So we I have had a chance to talk to the IOC, and they really love the idea of reconciliation and working together and becoming a global model for inclusivity. Lord knows the, you know, the world needs inclusivity and people coming together. So that's what this game is really, really represents. No doubt. As we're here with Tawani Joseph, a couple more minutes and uh, something else I've kind of started to dip my toe in and get involved with is uh, the North American Indigenous Games 20. That'll be, they were pushed off obviously with the pandemic and and they'll be held again next year in Halifax and lacrosse will be played there and, and a bunch of other cool sports. I don't know if you've ever been to, to the NAE Games 20 or maybe you can maybe help me to know what to expect if I do make the trip to Halifax. Well, I, I had a chance to participate in the in kind of the, the rebirth or the, the of the of the NAE games uh, back in Edmonton in the early '90s. So I had a chance to play there, and then had a chance to coach a couple times actually in the NAE games. And the North American Indigenous Games represents you know really the Olympics of Indigenous peoples in a way because there's so many sports that are involved in there, and these young athletes that are coming up from canoe racing to archery to lacrosse to basketball to soccer. You really will see a games experience where it's, it's about community. It's about a grassroots supporting one another. But I tell you the best part about it is actually when people from all over come together in these cities that host um, to really uh, come together in a way that probably they never did before. And I think that um, all these young athletes that come in because they're all youth, that uh, they get to have a, a lifetime experience that they'll carry forward. And I still remember competing in, in Edmonton. I still tell those stories to my friends and we repeat those stories because it was experience that that absolutely was a milestone in my life. Yeah, and it, it, it really, I think it, at that point when everybody is there together and going through that experience, it becomes more about the experience than really it, maybe it does about the competition side of it it really is you know because when you get there you obviously want to compete everybody's doing their best to compete but also at the same time when you think about it there's so many other aspects where there's cultural sharing there's concerts there's times where you're sharing meals together you're on buses together and so i think that those are the kinds of relationships that you start to forge over a period of time because in, in life you never know whether it's in the sport that you're playing or in business or in culture and arts or others you will come together at some point in time so i think it starts to establish those connections in a network yeah, no, I you know I went to my first powwow on Canada Day out there in Mission, and I just kind of picture the Nay Games being like a powwow on steroids. If I could make some sort of comparison to that. It really is, you know, like we have, um, you know, you know, the the BC championships for, you know, for games here in lacrosse, but also at the same time, when you add in all these extra sports, just to see these athletes competing and the smiles on their faces, I tell you, it's something that that is so precious. And, you know, when we have our kids go from our Squamish nation, you know, we want to support them as much as we can as they start to prepare and also share their culture with other cultures, which is the best part. Well, look, uh, you got. The Langley Thunder coming up on Wednesday, twenty, and I would assume a little retribution on on your mind here as Langley snuck out of Frank Crane with a, a buzzer beater in your first matchup, and this is going to be a real important game for for both these teams in the standings. What are you expecting when you head into the LEC on Wednesday night? Langley's going to be at their best. 
uh, they're going to be ready, you know, off the first face off, they're going to come out strong and hard against us. And I think, you know, we have to match their intensity from the get go. And I think it's going to be down to the wire again. I think it's one of those things where we're starting to prepare ourselves for, for the future. And I think for, for Langley, I just know that uh, they have a great team and we're looking forward to taking them on on Wednesday night and uh, look forward to um, being able to be on the floor and competing. And I think that's the best part for us. But at the same time, our boys are going to be ready too. We're going to be prepared to to take it to them. Well, Jamie, you got anything uh, left for Tawani besides wanting a Timberman hat from, from Adam J? You got anything else there? It's coming no, to you, Jamie, for sure. <laughs> yeah, Sugar's got that for me. Okay, so tell me, give me a, give me a guy that should be, you know, whether he's coming up in the draft or already, you know, just a free agent, someone on your team that I should uh, take, take a closer look at that, that might – you know, be ready for a shot in the NLL. Yeah, I think a couple guys, I think right off the top, I have many guys on the team, but uh, Will Johansson is looking uh, really, really good for us. And and Jared Smith is a free agent. Um, he got four goals against uh, Burnaby on Friday night. So I think the way that we've been um, uh, putting the team together in terms of uh, being able to have players play both ways, I think has been good. So those are a couple of names just off the top. Yeah, and I'm John Phillips, 20. Like, I how many points does this guy need to put up before he gets a legit look? Jamie, you're talking about needing a lefty and looking for a lefty. I'd be maybe giving John Phillips a call. You, you know, John's been looking really, really good. And the offense that we put in place this year, uh, I think he really is able to shine in that spot. And I think that if you're looking for someone definitely that, uh, you know, understands, you know, within a framework how to work, but also his his shot is top notch. I mean, that's for sure. But also at the same time, uh, his IQ is very high. So John has been, I think, on people's radars for many years. But this year, I, I hope that people are seeing, you know, the work that he's putting in. And uh, he really is a joy to, to coach and, and should be playing at the highest level for sure. Well, Tawani, it's been a joy watching the Timbermen play and, and you coaching them. I'm so happy to see you involved in the WLA. And I know uh, it was probably a tough decision to kind of move from the North Shore Indians and Senior B to, to up to WLA and, and making the island trips and all that. But it looks good on you, man. And I know you have pretty high aspirations of moving on in the coaching ranks as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you this, this has been one of the summers for me that I will never forget. It's a summer like no other. And for me, my family being over in Nanaimo with Shanaimo and Anus and the other nations and with the Timbermen, um, I'll never forget this. But also it's inspired me to want to be over there more. And so I enjoy every trip that I take over there every single week. All right, Tawani, thanks for doing this, man. We'll see you Wednesday night at the Langley Event Center. And uh, best of luck with that Olympic bid, man. I hope it happens for you guys. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. Hoichika. Have a good day. There he is, Osim. Uh, Tawani Joseph. That's a great conversation right there, Jamie Dowick. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I can't do that. I know you uh, can't. That was great. Very, uh, very interesting guy. Yeah, you know what? There's there's some guys out there where I'll go to, and, you know, I said, okay, I got this guy coming on, and I'll have, like, a stack of questions ready because I know it's going to be, you know, short answers, maybe a couple words here and there. So you got to be – not Tawani. Tawani can talk with the best of them. So I didn't even write one question down for T because I know he was going to wax eloquently and he did not disappoint. Period number two is done. We got one more period to come here on EP 192. Evans back, sore report cards, and lax glass locks. Keep it right here. Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. 
Double overtime. Game seven. Mitch Jones into the middle. Got rim. Got a shot. Scores. Mitch Jones puts the bellies into the finals. Stolen by Mike Messenger. Twisting, turning, scoring. They can taste it. Listen to this place again. You know, the Canadian Army could use a tank like Mike Messenger. Time now for the Kings of Queens Park, brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies. Kings of Queens Park, brought to you by the new Westminster Salmon Bellies here on EP 192. It's Jay Kelly at this time, uh, Brad on hiatus this week, so don't expect that top-notch quality that he's been delivering. But I shall do my best as this week we discuss the relationship between the Salmon Bellies and the Lakers. Not the Burnaby Lakers, but the Peterborough. And albeit the success and the memories have not been great as of late for New West against Peterborough have won a couple of Mac Cups. But the relationship goes way back before then, kind of beginning with Paul Parnell. And we've talked a lot about Paul here on Kings of Queens Park. Retired jersey, Man Cups, Hall of Fame, all the rest of it for Parnell. But it goes a little deeper than that. Let's not forget about Andy Ogilvie who came from Peterborough and won a Man Cup with of course, longtime captain and Craig Howie Stevenson, also into the Hall of Fame for Howie. And it goes a little further than that, even the likes of Joey Hiltz and Killer, Dougie Hill, Pooh Bear, Preston, the goaltender making his way out from the borough as well. It's a long list of guys who have come from the borough to the Royal City. And for whatever reason it may be, once they get out here on the West Coast, put on that Salmon Bellies jersey, more often than not, those guys never return home. That tells you a little bit about New West and the Salmon Bellies. The Bellies will be back in action Thursday, of course, there at Queens Park Arena. Note the start time. It's a 7 o'clock face-off this week as they take on the victorious Shamrocks. For all that and more information on your new Westminster Sam Bellies, visit SamBellies.com. That was this week's Kings of Queens Park, and we'll see you there on Thursday. Welcome back to Lax Class. No more breaks as we're in the third and final period here on EP 192. Jay Kelly, Jimmy Dowick. And now joined once again by Evan Schemenauer. I know, Evan, you were looking for a little Pitbull intro music this week. You're not getting it. Pitbull sucks. And I refuse to play him on Lax Class. I won't do it. Oh, come on now. Jamie, deciding vote on this. Pitbull, (laughs) thumbs up or down? I'm down with with Pitbull. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I'm just gonna take that as a thumbs down, even though I mean I know you mean thumbs up. Um, what's going on, Evan? Uh, how are you? How was the weekend? Oh, you know, enjoyed watching the women's games. Enjoyed watching the sixes. Uh, you know, it's have uh, you RML enjoyed up? watching the sixes, Evan? Have you? I was just gonna say the same thing. Yeah, how you know, can you enjoy watching that? Congratulations! Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. That was the hang problem. on, hang on. Congratulations to Team Canada winning a silver medal at the Women's Field Lacrosse World Championships. Congrats to the USA for winning like their eighth. First time on home soil, which I found shocking for the USA women, but I don't know how you can compete with that. But congrats to Team Canada. And back to sixes here. First off, you know, the issues on day one, you can say what you yep. want. Uh, 
Day two, I've been watching, like, kind of checking in on this, and, you know, it hasn't been great as far as knowing when games are coming up and all that sort of stuff. But I sat back, and when the, the, the discipline was introduced, I said, I, I need to see this played at the highest level. I need the, the rules to be refined a little bit before I make an educated opinion on sixes as a whole. I guess the last thing I need to do is talk to the guys that are playing it and see what their take is on it. I don't think the production has been particularly great with the way they switch away and show weird replays and kind of cut scenes and stuff. It's been a little difficult to watch, quite frankly, in that regard. But I don't know, man. This is glorified backyard patty cake up and down. This isn't the lacrosse that I know and love. It, it's just not. And I think with some tweaks, smaller nets, maybe, yep. a, I, I don't know, a t- one player off. I don't know how they, they got to improve this. But at Can a first go, you're I'm, watching this. I, I can't, I can't even find a way to watch this stuff. Like go to my Twitter feed. It? It's the links there. Yeah, it's on the CBC. If you do want to watch this, and I encourage you to do it, support lacrosse. I just, it's not my cup of tea, not yet anyway. Uh, but I want to talk to the guys that are ball and, and, and see what they think of it before I well, you know, really kick it around. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, get here's, the, hang here's on, here's I want to get on. this in because if Jamie's having a hard time finding this, surely others are as well. The Olympic CBC app is probably your best bet if you're watching on a mobile device. Uh, World Lacrosse is always a good follow for updated kind of games that are coming out. Follow the, your country's accounts as well, Canada Lacrosse, USA Lacrosse, whatever it may be, um, to, to kind of get the links that, that people are putting out uh, in that regard. But you can get on CBC Sports Online. You can get it through the Olympic app as well. And just hit the live feed of the games, and and usually lacrosse will pop up there. But it has been a bit of a struggle to kind of know who's playing and when. I, I get what you're saying about the discipline. Now, if we go past the fact that they wanted a field lacrosse discipline, they didn't want the full field lacrosse discipline because they couldn't bring that many guys into the Olympic program. They had to have something shorter. Yes, the nets need to probably be five by five or five and a half by five and a half, something shorter because. Uh, Teams scoring 20 goals each in 32 minutes isn't a good thing. And, you know, there's a few other things that need to be tweaked to it. I love the fact that the uh, there's no backup shots in that. You miss the net, you lose possession. Like, thank God. I don't know why that isn't in the field game itself. But yeah. the thing about it is, is watching what Brody Merrill and John Grant Jr. have put together for a strategy in this thing. And just bulldozing everybody with it is one they're fantastic. Ahead of the curve. They're ahead of the curve in that regard, Evan. Like they, and, they, they're out coaching other teams oh in yeah. that regard, right? And and I, the one thing that just really turns me right off is the cards. Like, yeah, handing out red cards and yellow cards. Like, come on, I, I'm not, I can't do it. Yeah. But the other thing is, is, of course, Japan's shocking upset of the Haudenosaunee. Yeah. I mean, Don't I mean uh, tough for the Haudenosaunee, but, you know, a fabulous game to watch. 
and Japan gave it to the United States. They were down two with what three, four. Well, that's the other today. thing. USA didn't. I mean, no disrespect to the guys that are there. Some very talented lacrosse players, Tom Schreiber included, Jamie. But that's not their A team. They're at the World no, Games, and what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, you know, why would they play in Canada? They're going they to in the, the gold final. medal. Yeah. Okay. What time is that at? That's going to be after we it's about drop. Two thirty in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. I can All take right. a quick well, look. If you're a quick listener, two thirty my time, so four thirty Eastern. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I'll take a quick look to see where it is. But um, yeah, it's why did the USA it's, it's a, not send just needs a few tweaks? Why, still, but why did we'll USA not send their best available for the World Games? That I don't know. Yeah, that's and, a really uh, perplexing. But you know, Brett Dobson has really shone. Yeah, you know, he's he's robbed guys left, right, and center out there. The Canadian transition game, and who was it? Dan Aresio was saying there today is like, how do you stop Zach Courier and Can't. Josh Byrne Can't. with no poles and five guys on the or you know five guys on the field? Right, can't do he, it. he can't do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, enough. But who's to say? Who's to say the Americans don't think they did send their best team there? Um, well, you know, I, I mean, listen, it's a weird concept. Like middle of the PLL season, of, I think would probably be the biggest factor, but there's tons oh, of PLL Tommy's guys there. there. Tom, I know there's guys there and you but know, there's like guys I, that I aren't there that, though. How you want to construct your team in that game, you know, is still, that's fair to be, to be determined because you haven't played it yet. Right. That's a fair, that's, that's a fair comment. Said. And it, it, it's not an excuse because half the Canadian team just went through the NLL finals, just barely got back the PLL. They're still there. They yeah. could have had the week off. They're not. And, you know, Dylan Ward would have been there had he not got injured. So Canada has sent a team that it is kind of a, this is our development program. This is our starting point. And yeah, you don't say Americans no to didn't Canada. Do that. You just don't. Americans did not send Blaze Rear. Right. Well, there you go. There's a good example. All right. Uh, enough about sixes. It's time for Lax Glass Report Cards. Settle down, class. Today is Report Card Day. Today is Report Card Day. It's Report Card Day. I think I'm a report card. Report cards. It's report card day. Uh, report cards brought to you by Stampy Tack and Western Wear. Did you know that Stampy Tack is more than just a Western Wear store? They carry a wide selection of hoodies, jackets, t-shirts, ball caps, and more. How about belts? Jamie, I'm sure you've had this issue where you buy a belt and it maybe lasts like four to six months because it's just not the good stuff that you're getting at Stampy Tack and full grain leather. That lasts. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, best belts in Canada. I said it. Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. Who doesn't need a good belt? Uh, report card time. Jamie, I know you're new to report cards, but you've been a loyal listener as well. You should know what's going on here for Lax Class Report Cards. You being the, the co host and uh, the new guy here, let's have it. What's your. Lax class report card this week. All right. Well, uh, when, when I was thinking I had to do this, I just think it's naturally easier to come up with uh, a big 
fail other than uh, something good. So I, how, I got how were ass. your grades in school, by the way, Jamie Dowick? Like, well, what were, what was your I report mean, card it, saying? Well, I was one of those guys that liked to come real, come out of the gate real strong, and and and, and then kind of ride it to the finish line type of deal. So uh, you know, uh, I do was, know. I, I, I got a lot of. You know, peace, pass. He, he applied pass. himself a little more than, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know. Fair you enough. Know, fair so enough. Anyway. All right, lay it on me. What well, do you got? Listen, here we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give a. I, I saw. I've seen this two or three times in the last week watching lacrosse, and and I think it's bad for the game. And I'm gonna hand out to a big F to those guys that are playing the game with Woodies. And they're just out there trying to hurt people. I think it's a huge mistake. I think it, you know, if, if you want to keep, and I'm talking about players. I got you. You want to, if you want to keep the wood sticks in the game, that's fine. But when guys are out there just deliberately trying to hurt people and break their wrists, and that that that's not right, and and that bothers me, and. You know, if, if you want to respect the game and, and use that stick, you know, use it with class. Like trade uh, air for the Orangeville Northman is right now, which we talked yeah. about last week. Scoring goals, yeah. doing it all. Yeah, I mean, Trey, funny enough, Trey was around here last week, but we had that uh, showcase, Canadian uh, box showcase here at the track, and, and they were helping out timekeeping. He's just walking around with his Woody the whole time, and uh, that's it. You know, I know Rusty was trying to take it away from him, but he he just loves his stick. But you know, like disrespected. I mean, I listen. I I I if he can play with it, I mean, it, it's it's definitely to me tougher to play with. <laughs> it's a treat to watch a guy play with it, yeah. play with it the right way. Yeah. But you know, if if you're just out there trying to hurt people, you know. Get out of here! Yeah, uh, fair. You, you're a big, big fail for me. F. And you get an F. You get an F. I agree, uh, and not that you know, pot calling the kettle black here because I did my fair share of intending to hurt guys <laughs> with the one stick before, but I've matured. I've learned those lessons, and uh, I'm fully on board with your F this week. Stop it, Evan. Uh, what do you got? I'm glad Jamie's on the podcast this week when I bring this one up because it comes back to what happened in the WLA there between Coquitlam and Victoria mm. in the empty net goal at the end of the game going six on five. And I'm giving a D to the ingrained thought that going final possession under 30 seconds, you're going six on five, you're now limiting yourself to a seven-second possession tops. You go any earlier, you'll, what happened last this past week will happen again to you if you lose possession of the ball. You're not getting a proper possession of the ball. And I'm, I'm trying to look at it from the perspective of, are you actually increasing your chances of scoring when you're going six-on-five rather than a standard five-on-five possession, but now you're limiting yourself to a seven-second quick pick, pass, and shoot? And I don't know if that's actually the case. You know, we get these very ingrained ways of doing things and everybody's 
oh, I would say almost everybody's going six on five last possession. But I question whether that is actually the correct strategy anymore. Well, I think you should bump That's that. That's why you're not coaching yeah. in the league. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say bump that up to a C because that's a pretty lukewarm take right there. And I think it falls somewhere in the middle. Listen, uh, the amount of percentage that goes up for your team when you are a man up to score is really significant. And the amount of times that you end up scoring a goal six on five, even a step further, the amount of times you don't score and they don't score, the amount of times a last second full court buzzer beater because you're going six on five happens is Got so mi- championship. Yeah. I mean, but it's so minuscule that I think the, the risk is, is fully worth it. And let's not forget, like you just mentioned seven seconds, six seconds that plays now start. It used to be of time. It, tons of time. It used to be at eight, nine seconds when they used to do it. They've learned now that they don't need to go that early. So they prevent that from happening. They start at like seven or six now because you can get what you need to get done. And these guys are coached up on six on five plays. They know how to execute and what they're supposed to be doing. It doesn't work every time. But it's worth the risk to try and score that goal. What's the point of playing for overtime here? Because bad things can happen in overtime. Go for the win. Six on five is the play. I think that's Evan, a C. Here, I'll tell you one more here to jump in. Not to cut you off. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. I mean, I'll tell you how important everyone believes the six on five is. Is they're willing to give up a shot. With 40 seconds, to, they're willing to the concede two for one. a shot. Yeah, exactly. They're willing just to concede that first shot from anywhere to go to be able to go six on five at the end of the quarter. Yeah. Okay, but I, I guess from a, you know, being a math guy, right, I look at it from this perspective that on a standard five-on-five five possession, you're scoring 10 to 12% of the time. Are you scoring more often? Going six well, on you five, have to look that to data seven, up, seven. Evan, and then come back with the empirical evidence. And I, I don't think people—I don't think people are scoring that often with it. Wow. There's some teams in this league that are deadly six Dynamite. on five. I, you know, like we Colorado's one. We scored a lot of goals six on five this year. Buffalo, Philadelphia was scary six on five. Like Buffalo, yeah, there's there's a lot of teams. It's it's tough to defend. You know, that's why if you've got a draw guy, you know, being down three with a couple minutes to go isn't really a big deal because, you you, can go, you know, you're winning draws and going six on five. It, it, it It's tough on the defense. Um, and I do think you see a lot of goals. And, and, and on the flip side. The amount that happened the see, other way. You yeah. don't see many go the other way and end up in the net. I would say it's less than. Less than five a year in the NLL for sure. Yeah, and when and, it does, it's you know, a big deal, but it just doesn't happen very often. Right. Yeah. All right. It's a miracle shot, the length of the floor, you know, by the goalie or by someone picking off a pass. Like it's, uh, it's like a, know, yeah, I, it's I like a full court basketball shot, like sort of deal. We're not trying to kill Evan here, no, but no, no, but it, it's something that I think I'm going to track <laughs> next year to see. Are people actually scoring more often well, than the 12%? There you go. You, 
take a year's five. worth of data, Evan, next year, and then you can come back with that take. How about that? Sure. All right. My letter grade this week is also an F. I remember last week when I said, take note of this episode when we went all positives. I think we had two A's, an A plus in there, a B or something. It was good. This week, not so good. Uh, I had a chance to check out some lacrosse at the Jack Crosby tournament in Burnaby over the weekend. In old Burnaby Lake Arena. Uh, and I walked in to watch a, a game that you know I was completely neutral on. Didn't matter to me who won, who lost, whatever, who was playing. But I walk in to see one particular parent. And I'm not naming any organizations and whatever but one particular parent standing on the end of the glass behind the opposing goaltender and literally double fist pounding on the glass f-bombing this and that screaming at the top of his lungs at the officials and i just thought to myself buddy like what are you doing right now these and and this is it guys these kids are 10 years old. Novice. This is a tournament. And I kind of went and looked at the stand. This team, that this parent, they were 0-3 in the tournament and losing 7-1 at the time. So at a certain point, I'm like, I go stand beside this guy. And I'm just kind of waiting for him to snap again or say something really offside or stupid. And sure enough, he did. And I looked at him and I was like, what, what are you doing right now? These kids are 10 years old. And, you're, and it wasn't like he was, you know, saying great call when a call went their way. But every single call that this official, who was maybe all of 14 and female, by the way, every single call, he's screaming from the stands at them you suck and this is horse shit and wrong call ref know the rule book 10 year old kids are playing lacrosse in a tournament that means nothing at the end of the day this is supposed to be memories that'll last you a lifetime you as a parent and i'm speaking to to whoever is this guy in the crowd sit back and enjoy watching your child play lacrosse and that's it you want to cheer and and have the occasional boo great you know be involved be engaged but this kind of garbage that this particular and it wasn't just him this was a faction of parents that were in on this and there was probably alcohol involved but good lord like, control your... I can't imagine that being enjoyable to watch a game like that and be so focused on the officials who are young and learning and we're running out of them because of people like you. Stop doing this. Zip your goddamn lips and just watch your child play and enjoy it. Why are you stressing yourself out to the max about what an official is? Do you really believe in your heart that they are there to influence the game on who wins and who doesn't? Give 
your effing head a shake and shut your mouths. You're all getting an F for you parents out there that think you're bigger than the game. Comments welcome, fellas. Yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on in our sport. And, uh, you know, I know I know out here in Ontario right now, there's an official shortage. And you wonder Something why. I'm it, sure you, you know? see this yeah. on the daily, Jamie. Yeah, I do see. I, I do see. It hasn't been that bad, as bad lately. I think coming out of not having tunnel lacrosse, I think for the most part, people are happy it's back. So I haven't seen a ton of it out of here. But I, I, there is an official shortage for sure. And, you know, like I said just a second ago, I'm, I'm sure that's a factor. You know, it's like I, I don't get paid enough to take this kind of abuse roughing a game, you know, whether it be from parents, whether it be from coaches, whether it be from players. And, uh, you know, there's, there is no part for that in the game. It's not just a lacrosse problem. Almost every sport is suffering from an official shortage of this. You know, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, it's crazy. And the thing is, is that because it's almost like condoned verbal violence against you know and threats. Like we saw what, a couple of years ago, the head of officials getting his face bashed in after a game. Like, yeah. who wants to deal with this for the little bit of money you make? It's not worth it. All right, I. Sorry if that went on a little bit long there, but obviously it struck a chord with me, and I just, I don't know. I, I said what no, I No, it has to, to be say. said. Yeah. It yeah. has to be. Um, so with that being said, guys, let's turn the page here a little bit. Let's have some fun with some wax glass locks. It's locked. Lax Class Locks, brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. I got to cool down here a little bit, fellas. Uh, stay cool, bet responsibly. Coolbet.com, if you're new to the podcast, hopefully you're still listening after that little rant there. But uh, sign up to Cool Bet. If you like to wager on sports, make things a little more interesting to watch, sign up to Cool Bet. And when you do, your first time deposit, Cool Bet Canada will match you up to 200 bucks. You put in 200, they'll give you 200. Put in 100, they'll give you 100. They'll match you up to 200 bucks on your first time deposit. All you have to do is use the bonus code LAXCLASS and you get free money. Do it. Uh, so this week, guys, odds are a little suspect here as we record on a Monday we got the Worlds coming up, but we can't really do that. we got PLLs on All-Star breaks. So we can't really do that. We're a few good Canadian boys here on the pod. A little CFL, a Canadian Football League is going on. So we figured this week we can get a little sprinkle going here on some Canadian football. We're all down with this. A little parlay for the CFL. Evan, you can lead us off. Well, and before people start accusing me of being a homer, I am not a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan. I'm one of the rare people in Saskatchewan that is not a Rough Riders fan. You're an Elks fan, right? But you're not I'm taking an Elks them. fan. Yes, you're and not of course, those this guys. is just one of those years that's going to like just get us to the next draft. You know, now that our starting quarterback is gone for a while, 
Yeah, it's tough it's going to be a long tough year in Edmonton right now. Yeah, basically right now the the team in first place in the East has one win. So the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are in Toronto. Yes, it's on the road, but give me the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on the money line to beat the Toronto Argonauts this weekend. Okay, you're going Riders. Not surprising. You'll be able to show your face around town this weekend. Jamie, uh, Toronto Rock now play in Hamilton, and I'm assuming that little connection here between the Tiger Cats and the Rock might have a little something to do with your pick. Yeah, you're right there. Um, we got a battle of the, the o- 0-4 Tiger Cats and the 0-4 Red Blacks. At, uh, Your internet's a little sketchy. Tiger Cats minus you, you, five. You're going to have to re- so, re-say that because your internet dropped out on us, man. My bad. Um, you're going Tiger Cats yeah. minus five is what you're saying. I'm going Tiger Cats minus five. Um, I think that's minus 110, and they're going to get to the season and get, get their season rolling. I got to go with the Bombers here, boys. Lions aren't in action this week, uh, sadly, but Winnipeg, they're at home. They're undefeated. Four points doesn't seem like a lot to me. Uh, I know they're probably due sooner or later, but I don't think it's coming against Calgary, so give me Winnipeg. You add all those up, we're probably looking around plus 700, something like that. So... Good return on a little CFL parlay this week. Uh, enjoy. Like I said, stay cool. Bet responsibly. And I think, what do you got? I was just going to mention, if you do want to bet on some lacrosse, the World Games, they are posting the odds every day. So yeah. you, do, you can only bet one day in advance, but they are posting games every day. Now, some of the money line odds are a little lopsided, but the handicaps are a very interesting play in these ones. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be some prop bets and stuff for the All-Star game and the PLL as well. Just hop on to CoolBet, and if you're looking for the Lacrosse Classified parlay every week, just go into the search bar and put in Lacrosse Classified. Easy. It's right there. And uh, good luck to everybody doing that. Uh, I think that's going to wrap it up here, fellas. I appreciate everybody who's tuned into the podcast this week and coming weeks and all the weeks. Uh, We appreciate our listeners so, so much as we do our sponsors, Stampede Tack, the New Westminster Sandbellies, Cool Bet, Rycor, and of course... Associate Libels and Packaging. Thanks to Tawani Joseph for coming on the program as well. Don't forget to subscribe and review wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. That helps our engagement, which helps this podcast. Uh, I want to thank Jamie Dowick and Evan Schemenauer for helping out on the podcast as well. You can uh, you can find those guys on social media, as you can me as well. EP 192 is now over. We're back with EP 193 next Tuesday, every Tuesday on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. For Evan, for Jamie, I've been Jake Elliott. And for the fastest game on two feet, for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified. 